Hello and welcome to World Shop, the podcast where we build worlds and tell stories. I'm Jordan. And I'm Cody. And you are also the worst person I know. Hello, everybody. So, Cody, um, this is episode 150, and we have been doing this for 150 episodes. There's about, I would say, closer to like 180 hours of us recorded with bonus episodes. So how do you feel now that we've finally made it to making way too much content? Um, the, the same. I guess I feel the same. I feel the you didn't tell me there was going to be an interview. I wasn't ready for you that. You dress like you're ready for an interview. You show up in a suit, and I'm over here wearing my street clothes, looking like a fool. Now, you did tell me before we started that you considered doing the exact same <laughs> thing to mess with me. But I didn't. I committed That's the to kind being, of person uh, I am. I didn't mess with you. I committed to being unpleasant, you know? Okay, cool. Anyways, Cody, what have you been watching and or reading or whatever recently? Oh yeah, actually there is one I want to talk to you about. I remember, Jordan. I remember there is one. You know, I want to right talk now I can't edit out all the awkward silences, so you should probably stop doing all the awkward silences. Nah, man. What that is is it makes it real. And uh, what I heard on the internet is that what what's in right now is it's being, just telling is me what you've real. been enjoying recently. Thank you. Yeah. So it's, also, it's is that what you wore to your wedding? By the way, is this your wedding outfit? No. Okay. Good. Would it be a problem if it was? Yeah, because it means you only have one suit. And only I didn't one wear a look. suit to my wedding. What? Yeah, you I didn't d- wear a suit to my wedding. You didn't wear a suit to your wedding? Sure didn't. Oh, man. I got to look up the pictures again because I don't remember I got that. married outside in the summer, and I don't hate You weren't myself. married outside. You were married in the church. Well, yeah, but I had to go outside for some of the yeah, day. Yeah, what are you talking about? A lot of about? pictures outside. And actually, you know what it is? is the, 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 wedding, the wedding was inside, but yes. all of the pictures were outdoors. And those, Yeah, those you didn't time. get married outside. You got married inside. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's a fair point. Anyways, Anyways do you want to... Yes, can I answer yes, my question would, now, or are you just going to keep negging mm-hmm. me on air, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, that's what I do. Now you can't hide the fact that you neg me constantly. I don't hide the fact that I neg you constantly. You're just worse than I am. That's all. I don't think that's true. I gaslight you. I don't nag you. Ah, true, you do. You make me feel horrible all the time. <laughs> I should make you feel like you're crazy all the time. I shouldn't make you yeah. feel horrible well, about yourself. Well, I mean, yourself. feeling crazy is feeling horrible. So anyways, keep going. What have you been enjoying recently? I was just going to try to figure out a way to turn that into more gaslighting. Just keep and it, it, talking! I mean, I, I, I'm i watching Cabinet of Curiosities now, lately. How is it's that? like. Oh, wow, you're really saying that with a lot of, like... Uh, Sorry. <clears throat> oh, of... how is that? Oh, my God. Tell me all about it. Do you dislike Guillermo del Toro? No, I like, just haven't have heard anything feelings? good about it. Oh, I, th- I think it's great so far. I really enjoy What's it. It's a bunch this? of different directors. The The casts are, like, really good B-list actors, I would say, you know? It's not, like, they don't have George Clooney or whatever, but they have really good actors in all of them. I think the stories are fun and creative and weird and uh uncomfortable is your uh, idea of a good actor just george clooney i mean he's a very famous one i don't know what do you want me to say no i just thought that was interesting that that was your good brad pitt he doesn't have brad pitt that's your go-to what are you just gonna name the whole oceans 11 cast what's happening here I was going to name another one, and I do not know anyone else's name that was in. Oh, Matt Damon was in it. There no, it was Brad <laughs> they, No, wait. They, they, yeah, no, you're, you're, you're correct. It was Matt Damon. Yes, yeah, you're Damon absolutely correct. It. Yes. And so was uh, the other one from Boston. Um, Wahlberg? No, it's just Matt Damon oh, no. twice in my head, yeah, I yeah, think. That's, 
Matt Damon. It, okay, but yeah, tell me about Cabinet of Curiosities. I mean, it kind of is what it says on the tin. Like, it's a Guillermo del Toro produced vignette of weird horror movies. And I love Guillermo del Toro. And so far, all of the movies that he's picked have been great. Specifically, there was one by the same director that directed Mandy. And it was really weird and very slow. And uh, <laughs> nothing like happened. Mandy. And people did a lot of drugs. And then someone's face melted. And I loved every second of that. So, you know, there's... That, I got that going for me, that, which is nice. Every time you explain something you like, you explain it in the most like boring way ever. Oh, yeah, I had a bunch of people doing drugs. Nothing happened. And someone's face melted off. It's like, cool. Sounds exactly like something I want to watch. You like never yeah. sell these things to me. I'm not, you know, look, Jordan, there's no accounting for taste. And, Touché. you know. We, we're going to talk at the end about the movies we suggested. I also watched The Exorcist recently, and oh my gosh. The I original or Exorcist 3, like you were wanting to watch? Uh, the original. Okay. I, I think Exorcist 3 I do have access to, so I need to watch that at some point. But I watched I the didn't even original know Exorcist again. Three, honestly. I thought it was hmm? just. I did not know that there was an Exorcist 3. Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't really either, right? Which is why I was suggesting it. That was one of the ones we talked about maybe doing a recommendation with each other. Yeah. But yeah, no, the, the just the first Exorcist is so good. It's so there's more to it. I think the like older you are when you watch it again, you can kind of gain more from maybe it's just repeated viewings, you know, that yeah. it it's not really quick and it isn't very action packed. But I love all the characters and the pacing and the kind of like slow dread of it. And, yeah. Um, how upset the the mother is while her daughter is being possessed i think is well done could you imagine if she was like super happy about it the entire time like her daughter's getting possessed she's like yeah you're losing your soul there's like a level there's like a it's a very raw performance yeah it's just kind of her like fumbling her lines as she's just upset like, she just seems really upset that this is happening and doesn't know what to do. And people aren't really coherent when that happens. It's almost like the exact opposite of Midnight Mass, where people sit in, like, a theater-esque stage and deliver dialogue, like, in huge chunks at each other. That isn't... She's just, like, screaming and confused, but that's how you would be if your kid's possessed by a demon. It's like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. I don't get what's happening. Um, but you know, it's just, yeah, I, I enjoyed, I enjoy it for it not being modern. It, the pacing is different. The aesthetic yeah. is different. And, and there isn't a freaking 20 minute scene where they talk about what happens when you die, just staring blankly towards each other. So when I die, my body is just going to turn into dust and it will be great. So yeah, no, we could, you could just let me die on that hill. But like, I did not like that scene at all. And did you I'm watch still... uh, Midnight Society? No, I have not watched like anything. Oh, it's also pretty easily. good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Do they have a 20 minute scene where they just stare blankly at the camera talking about how upset they are? No, but that guy's in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, is he a better think... actor in this one? Um, I think so. I mean, well, no, in that I really liked his character in Midnight Mass. But well, yeah, I liked his character in Midnight Mass, but like that scene still grades my soul. You know, I just I well, Cody. Well, you Cody, know, you can witness you something tell, beautiful. Can you tell and me all you can, what Cody? Can you tell me what happens when you die? What do you, What do you think happens? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play this game with you. Sometimes game. beauty is right in front of you. And Sometimes you can't beauty see is it. a beast. 
um, because of cynicism. So I mean, you know. yes, I am the cynic of the show, but still. <laughs> Actually, I think you're more the cynic than I am, honestly, but whatever. We'll see. We will see. Um, but yeah, also, th- okay, first, we're for the recording, I have to say this, we're doing this live on Twitch, and um, I want to thank everybody who popped in. AKA all of my friends, not a Cody supporter in the house, <laughs> not a singular Cody supporter, but th- thank you to, um, it's the three play lady, high heart, Bigfoot's first cousin. So 86, Wallabin, Biggums, um, Guybrush, all, all of my friends, the people that I love dearly. Thank you for showing up because this is also my birthday episode. Um, just like last year, we are doing it on, um, the week of my birthday. And I want to say that I will once again being, uh, be, invoking birthday law so if you mess with me and i don't like it you need to stop immediately because we are invoking birthday law also hello inglebiter so yeah birthday law so cody say anything mean to me you're immediately kicked off the show and i will call someone else <laughs> well we'll do the stories first and then i'll get kicked off <laughs> yeah, i think you'll immediately get show. ejected for saying mean things about a movie that i liked boy yeah i don't we got to talk about that one i'm like I really want Look, to get we'll, into it now because I'm so nope. mad that you never like it'll be, anything I It'll like. be the whole show, Jordan. It'll be the whole show. Anyways. Let's go into our stories with no bad blood. Okay, well, other I than still just have to talk about what level. I've been doing. I, I know you don't care, but I want to talk about what I've been watching recently. Oh, I don't care about I that. I know though. you That's don't. That's not what I've been doing. I care about me time. Birthday law, you have to care. Birthday law. So, um, for birthday law, what I have been doing recently, not going to talk about the thing that has truly taken over my life, but I have been, um, watching something I'm going to put on a recommendation, even though I know you're going to complain about it the entire time, because that's what you do. But I've been watching the anime Chainsaw Man. I am enjoying it quite a bit. I already read the manga, so I know exactly what's going to happen. But the anime, some of the best fight scene animation I've ever seen in an anime before. I think that's one I would like. And I would like that one. It's just generally, it's just generally a good time. It's like fun, weird, dumb humor mixed with some like really like um, just melancholy. It's mixed with melancholy, Cody. It's mixed with exactly what I love, which is melancholy. But like especially in the manga, like as you get deeper into it, he does a lot of like humanizing characters that usually wouldn't be humanized in manga, like impoverished characters and th- things like that. And it's just he, he does a really good job at form- forming the story and actually making you care about what's happening. But the anime is freaking beautiful. And, um, oh, sorry, I need to put birthday wall back down because you are listening. But, yeah, I, I that's something I think we're going to do a, a recommendation show probably later this month. But, yeah, that's something that I want to recommend you because I think that You'll complain about it, but like actually appreciate parts of it. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I what my next recommendation. Well, you don't have to think about it now because we're not doing a recommendation, <laughs> so so don't worry. And then the other thing that I got um too obsessed with this week, and it's partly Diana's fault, is I've been listening to a lot of the podcast Knowledge Fight, which goes too. <laughs> which goes through um every episode of Infowars and like deconstructs it. <laughs> the one that Diana made us listen to yesterday was quite frankly the funniest but most messed up thing I've ever listened to, which is like you just listen to a guy going through like a schizophrenic mental spiral for about um two hours long, where at one point he's talking about how 
he has the power of Lucifer in his hand and how sometimes he has to leave the studio because he's looked into the devil's mind. And um, well, you see, uh, sometimes I get tempted by the devil. <laughs> yeah, but it's ridiculous. It's a demon feast, folks. I think that the show is very clever um, knowledge fight yeah. in that they do kind of go like, okay, so he says he found a study that says X. And then they actually find yes. the study and they're like, I think this is how he got here. Like, it's not what the study says at all, at all. <laughs> but this is kind of, I think, like, if you redo the equations like this and ignore this whole paragraph and then lie, you can kind of get this out of it, you know, which is just kind of a fascinating thing. But I've just I've always been sort of like perversely fascinated with alex jones like not in a healthy way no. not in like i think he's intelligent or intelligible um but one of my friends is here suck it yeah um, i was about to say it's like i'm surprised that actually one of the people who fo follows you is here surprise it's because i told all of them about it yeah today anyways you told all of them today i told caitlin yesterday oh my uh, god wow <laughs> It's a difference. So, um, yeah, like, specifically the thing where he went and talked to Joe Rogan for three hours, and this is, like, when he was getting sued for all the Sandy Hook stuff. Like, before he lost the case and is now being charged money, it was, like, when he was, like, starting to get sued. million. And it is fascinating in, like, um, I'm trying to think of the right way to put it. It's, like, one of those things where it's humanizing in a way. To, like, see someone who has done, like, actively malicious and villainous things, like, not understand that he can be hurt in a way that's almost sad. Yeah. Like, if you ever see, like, I mean, I have children, like, and they hurt themselves sometimes because they don't understand that, like, this can hurt, right? Day. Like, they're little kids, and they don't get what burning their hand means. Like, you know, you tell them that'll burn your hand, and they don't get, yeah, cause they, they can't connect yeah, the, how bad that disconnect. can be. Partly because of lack of experience, but this dude just yeah he doesn't understand. Like, has, he's, yeah, he's fifty years old and still pulls like okay. So it happens in more recent episodes, but when he's on trial for the Sandy Hook stuff or de defaming Sandy, Hook, he is on his show at the same time, still saying the same things and still doing the things that got him on trial. And then even he's like well i actually well you see I, I apologize for all this so i don't even know why i'm here and then seconds later we'll say the same stuff that got him in trouble and it's like how are you this stupid yeah the one that kills me about that and this is like i'm trying to think this is again one of those things where it's like i don't actually agree with this like the way his his court case was handled i actually sort of agree was somewhat unjust <laughs> in that like he I went on his stupid show and made fun of a judge which is not something you should do no. midway through a trial. <laughs> no, I think it's kind of bad that like saying a mean thing about a judge can impact your ruling. But it's like, why would but you do? Cody, You're so dumb. It wasn't <laughs> like, even during his show. He also did it during his depositions. He made fun of the judge I, oh, in me. front of the judge, judge's face. I know. 
And that's why I'm so obsessed with the show because it's that just there's a person so interesting to see. Like, like you hear about how crazy Alex Jones is, but like actually, like, and I'm never going to actually listen to his show because that's insane. But like hearing the breakdown, like episode of episode of his show is just like, oh no, it's way worse than you would ever have thought. It's fascinating. It is because, and this it's is like the thing watching the, a TV show, and it's so great. I love it. The Joe Rogan interview that is interesting is when he starts out, and you go like, yeah, you know, honestly, it's like. Yeah. You know, okay. Like I, I like, I like weird, like alpha men stuff yes. because I think it's, you, I think it's you, a joke. You think you're alpha? Um, sorry, you think you're a sigma male? I'm sorry. I don't. I don't you, actually. You, I what, just find well, it you, funny. But that's your joke that you oh, say a bunch. Like, I'm, I'm a, a sigma. We got to do yeah. sigma things, Jordan. <laughs> so one of the guys um, that like has become somewhat popular online recently is Liver King. Um, what? He's a guy that eats raw liver and says that it's gonna do all sorts of stuff, and he he wants <laughs> to be like primal. <laughs> um, yeah, he wants to be like primal, so he like has all these primal tenets, and um, basically all of his primal tenets are be rich and uh have infinite free time and i'm like yeah like honestly i agree with 90 percent of what you're saying like he went on this long tangent about how it's like you can't have a bad time if you're holding the hand of the woman you love and walking on the beach in the sun and i am like that's i agree with you um the thing is i live in indiana it's cold here half of the year i don't live near a beach and it costs a lot of money to go to those places yeah so yeah i mean i agree with you you're right being rich does sound kind of awesome sometimes I mean, it does honestly like- so but I don't know what that has to do with raw meat. And he's like, well, you know, you should be like challenging yourself and trying to achieve things. And I'm like, I agree. And then he's like, and that the thing about primal society is that's when we were healthiest and no one died of cancer in when they were. Well, it's the 5G that's like, actually killing us of cancer. But anyways, and I'm like, well, it might be true that r- rates of cancer are increasing at the moment. That might be like a thing that's happening. Also, everyone say hi to my wife. His wife. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, but also people just used to die all the time back then. I'm like, there was a much lower population when we were primal because we starved and died a lot more. Like, and people like him didn't. He probably would have been fine, but like all the women and children died constantly. So I don't know. It's a bunch of garbage. Um, But his thing is like pretty limited in its scope, whereas Alex Jones like goes way too far way too far afield <laughs> constantly Con- and the stuff that he says doesn't even make sense and that's why it makes me laugh because he sits there and it's like i have the power of lucifer in my right hand and that's what makes me strong <laughs> it's like what are you what are you talking about anyways cody i think it's time to stop talking about this monster and start talking about what we're doing today <laughs> uh also caitlin i haven't eaten that much liver um so how much liver have you been eating yeah yeah you're talking about this primal thing on that other podcast that you do and i'm not a fan of it so please stop (laughs) i look i like liver okay you know it's a good it's a good it's a good source of some enzyme or something i don't freaking know who cares who cares so Cody, we're going to roll for initiative but i will tell the audience what we're doing today you're probably going first um so today we are doing short stories um we're not gonna do the um stories that we have been doing on our show for the last few months almost a year at this point because we have a horrible schedule um but instead we're, we're just doing some new stories for today uh, I thought it was very funny, Cody, when you told me what your story was. Because you're like, yeah, I'm doing a fun kid story. I'm like, ooh, I am 
doing quite the opposite of that. It's going, you're going to see the two different sides of our personalities in this show really bad today. Where it's just like Cody's going to be like, yeah, here's whimsy. And Jordan's like, the world is a nightmare. <laughs> so, um, Cody, what do you roll? First, I rolled a 17. I think yeah, I'm you're going, going first. first. I rolled a four. Second of all, I just want to make a comment about the person who just put in there, like, what does primal even mean? <laughs> like, Paleolithic, Neolithic. He doesn't know either. <laughs> I don't know at what point in history he thought that we didn't have agriculture, but it was a very small time where we had... Because he's all, like, hunter-gatherer, like, you gotta go outside and hunt. I'm like, we have not subsisted on hunting in thousands of years, but whatever. I mean, I will go out and F up a squirrel really bad right now if you tell me to. I don't think you could. <laughs> I don't you know think what? I could either. I, I do have a bow, but I will probably miss. <laughs> I have been squirrel hunting. It they're sucks. They're quick. They are they're quick so and they're quick. small. Those guys, how do you get them? That's why you set up nets, guys. That's why you set up nets. Have you ever eaten squirrel? No, I've never eaten squirrel. I've eaten oh. rabbit, but never squirrel. I have eaten both. Anyways. Also, um, that, that was not the time to make that joke. This is not the show for the joke I was going to say. I'll post it in chat. Oh, anyways, Cody. So you can go with your story whenever you can explain what it is. Do whatever you want for Prelude. We didn't talk about this at all. Uh, oh, you sound like you're in pain. So, um. So, um. Do you ever no, uh, what is happening? scroll through your story and see a part of it that's highlighted in red? That you were clearly supposed to fix, and you just didn't. Anyways, see if you can find it. That's that's the new challenge. I can't Let's figure I out can't what part wait, of the story. Cody, what the audience really doesn't know, the people who actually listen to the show regular, is that I edit the crap out of your storytellings because you <clears throat> uh, hold on and like reread things and like mess up a bunch, and I edit the crap out of that so you sound as good as you can. And we're gonna yeah, see I'm this near live. illiterate, Jordan. I don't appreciate being put on blast in a public space for it. Near illiterate, but you know, um, I guess just make a joke out of it. I mean, look, also, I, we I, get like we are recording. We are back. recording individual tracks now, so I will still make it sound as good as I can. But man, is it funny to listen to your story? Where you're like, well, the- <clears throat> that's not what that's not what I was supposed to say. <clears throat> nope. Let me try that again. <clears throat> That's why I don't write anything down ever. I just just am off the cuff, the cuff. generally. <laughs> Doesn't work when you're telling a novel. Yeah, yeah, when you're so. reading a story um, yeah. live. No pressure. So, just real quick, the inspiration for this story was... Also, what's the um, story called? I, was, I know it's on the screen, but what's it called? Oh, this is called uh, The Littlest Adventurer and the Shoe Goblins. Um, oh, there's supposed to be a thought in there. Whoops. Did you call it the littlest adventurer shoe and, goblins? And shoe goblins. I forgot the... Oh, yeah, and the shoe goblins the shoe and shoe goblins. It doesn't it, really yeah, matter. Yeah, I mean, um, it matters to me. But this was um, inspired by playing with chalk with my son. Yeah. Um. So he partially came up with the notion of this story. I just had to flesh it out beyond basically what I gave you, which is shoe goblins. Yeah, it's fine. He was saying shoe goblins a lot and got really excited about them. Yeah. I mean, I love that. In that I drew a shoe and put a goblin in it. (laughs) That's that's adorable, Cody. I can't wait till I tell what my story's um, inspired by because it's not going to make sense to anybody how I got here. (laughs) So... All right, you ready? You ready? Yeah, you ready I'm for re- me I'm to re- go? I'm ready to run. Okay, wait. I gotta put on some music though, real quick. It's it's like eerily. All silent. the things I cut out of the normal show. I can't wait to release this <laughs> the episode. And, like it's gonna be like trimmed down so much. It's like sounds so good compared to what's happening right now. 
you and you and Mandy should like commiserate about <laughs> what it's like to try to go. Okay, we have an hour, and we expect the hour our podcast to be an hour, and then it edits down to twenty minutes, and it's like, what happened? Um, all right. There was a far-off land of magic and wonder called Craggy Climbs. It was strange, wild, and dangerous, full of hidden frights, spooky ghosts, and oozy, ooky monsters. (laughs) But the caves held treasures and mysteries. Most of the folk of Craggy Climbs were content to live in their villages and farm bumbling sheep, tend to their tomatoes, and and bake crunchy breads. But for some, that was not enough. For some, the howling of the wind was a call, an invitation to adventure. Their hands were restless, their childhoods naughty, their knees were scraped. They jumped too much and ran too far, and inevitably found danger. These were the adventurers, wild folk on the outskirts of towns, and lost in deep wood. You have likely heard tales from some of the greatest adventurers, like Rosie of the Throne Axe or Big Boots Jacoby. Maybe you've even seen Rick Rimblesticks, the Cat Man of the Nightlands. And if you're lucky, maybe you met Miss Windy and her pack of impossibilities. Oh, we could tell a million stories of these adventurers, but no, our story is about the littlest adventurer. He lived in a tree. Now, you might think that means he lived up a tree or under a tree, but no, truth be told, he lived in the hollow body of one of the great old Leviathan Oaks, trees so big that they were thought to be the bodies of old gods planted in craggy climbs. This specific tree was haunted, but the little adventurer did not care. He figured it was nice to have a roommate. The tree was old and long turned to fossil. The littlest adventurer fashioned a door and a chimney and felt quite happy in his new home. He set out a sign and spread the news all around that if someone needed an adventurer for hire, to consider him. Unfortunately, people did not always take him seriously. Okay, pause for one second. <laughs> you ever uh, just, like, just have your Very nice too flow. It, like, I was in it. Pause. Hold on. I gotta, I gotta F with my music real quick. Um... <laughs> what a nerd so unfortunately people did not always take him seriously truth be told the littlest adventurer did not like that name it was true he was little but that was not his fault but that did not stop big rolf the big poops from calling on his new home with the intention of being very smug oh little one how can you be an adventurer you can hardly reach my tall boots he barked in his loud booming voice My name is not Little One, it is Sir Marshall Lance, the first knight of the Forgotten Kingdoms, the great discoverer of the Mucky Marsh, and the greatest adventurer that has ever lived, said, well, we'll just call him Marshall. Now hear my declaration, whatever challenge of your description, Sir Marshall shall make you little, even if you are formidable. Oh, such titles for a small little adventurer, but all right, Little One. Here is the game. Find a deadly fanged panther and wrestle it to the ground. Pin the wicked cat before me and be named the champion. Now, that is a story. But for now, just be happy to know that the littlest adventurer has been known to have a pet black cat with rather large teeth. He named her Peacha and he rides her here and there. On the night our story begins, however, it was dark and stormy. The wind howled and no one dared walk outside in such a horrible rain. 
The littlest adventurer was in his adventurer's home. Maps spread over tables as he pondered over clues to treasures and riddles of mysteries to forgotten lands. When there came a rap tap at his door, Marshall drug over his door opening chair to the door and climbed his little wiggly boots up and opened the door. Outside in the spooky evening stood a frightened looking man, his face red and blotchy, tears and snots running down his glowing cheeks. And he said, please, please, I need the help of a great adventurer. Sir Tomato Face, you have come to the right place. Please sit down by my fire and warm away your worries, said Marshall, the littlest adventurer. The man looked around and then finally looked down at the littlest adventurer, and he paused with concern written on his ripe red face. I might look somewhere else, for I need an adventurer. I need someone great and strong and fearless. I need a hero. Marshall put <laughs> Yeah. I'm Marshall put his little hands on his hips. I will have you know that I have ridden a dragon and swam with krakens. I have never known fear to beckon. I may be small, but I have never failed in my quest. Now get on with your request. Properly shamed, the man collected his thoughts. I serve the majestic unicorn of these lads. He is a creature of beauty and was attacked by the most devious shoe goblins I have yet seen. <laughs> they hopped in smelly boots. They were rowdy and wild. They kicked me right in my behind and then set to bouncing on the unicorn most rudely. They drove him away with kicks and with slaps and with pinches and with bites. I've never seen such a display of wickedness. Please, please, little adventurer, find our unicorn. See him returned and punish these goblins. The littlest adventurer reclined in his big comfy chair and pondered the request. You have come to the right place, good sir. I will rescue the unicorn of this, you can be sure. My supplies I will gather, then on my quest I will be a traveler. The littlest adventurer looked around his home for supplies. He would surely need a good backpack, of course, and his best walking stick, a warm cloaks and boots that can resist the wettest puddle. He packed snacks and drinks for his wanderings. He holstered his slingshot and a pack of rocks. Finally, the littlest adventurer was ready. Careful now, little one! The storm is raging! You dare not go out! You may stay, but as I have said, I have never known fear, so I will go where I am led. Your unicorn's safety, I can assure, for these shoe goblins will be manure! <laughs> With that, the littlest adventurer went out into the night. With a lantern nearly as big as he, he bobbed along through the fields and over the rivers. The night storm could not sway him from... For he knew no fear. When finally Marshall's little boots splashed through the mud of the unicorn's enclosure, he looked around quite shocked. This place was truly a horsey palace. The paddock was large and covered in sweet flowering clover. Hay was stacked high in the barn, and there was a comfy warm stable for the unicorn to bed in. Hmm, the plot thickens on this wicked night. Clues I must find with my keen sight. Marshall set about to looking. He was bent over when suddenly he felt a kick right on his backside. He tumbled into the mud and heard a wicked cackling from behind him. Hee 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 I am victorious again! Look at this little boy all covered in mud! Marshall leapt to his feet and spun in the mud to see a tiny little goblin in a child's boot. The little goblin laughed with delight at the sight of the muddy adventurer. Oh, what naughty fiend! I will not be demeaned! A hard lesson you will learn with this punishment you have earned! 
The little shoe goblin cackled and snorted. He swung forward again for another kick at Marshall's bottom. But Marshall was quick and stuck out his foot. He tripped the small goblin in the small boot. Quick as a flash, Marshall untied the boot and snatched out its fine laces. The goblin let out a piteous wail. You took my boot laces! I will tell my middle big brother his boot is large and he will not fall for your tricks! With that, the tiny booted goblin hopped off weeping over his lost laces. Marshall followed at a distance. He could hear the sad wails. The little goblin ran along the bank of a swift river. The chase was long and boring, for small shoe goblins are slow going. But after what felt like hours, Marshall found a larger goblin in a large man's boot. The sun was now rising. The goblin was fishing. Marshall was happy, for this goblin seemed to be kind and a lover of nature. But... On closer look, Marshall found he was altogether wrong. The goblin was less fishing and more just splashing and yelling. There he is! There he is! That's the brat that stole my laces! The middle goblin roared. You will pay for this mischief! Be calm, dear goblin. We need not be squabbling. I have the laces which I took in repayment, for he was the kicking assailant. But he can have his prize return, for I... For it is the location of the unicorn, I yearn. I won't tell you that. Why would I return our best score? The unicorn is with us now, and will still have those laces you stole. You will have no such thing for all your quarrels. I have no fear of your snarls. The naughty shoe goblin swung with his pole. His hooked fishing lure stung like a wasp, but no one was as fast as the littlest adventurer. Quick as a whip, he reached in his pack and retrieved some snacks. The river was full of fish with, sh- with teeth quite sharp that would love nothing more than an adventurer's snacks. So Marshall tossed some snacks, most delicious, and the fish did the rest of the biting and nipping at both naughty shoe goblins. Both goblins took off running into the dark woods howling for the biggest shoe goblin brother. Now, it is helpful to know that Marshall, being the littlest, does have some advantages. You see, when it comes to sneaking, he is the best. His cloak can help hide him and his steps are silent. The middle goblin was big enough. Now the biggest shoe goblin required caution. Marshall crept through the wood, following the hopping footprints of a tiny child's boot and a larger man's boot. The soil was soft and wet, and Marshall's job was easy. He crept, and as he did, he smelled the smell of open fires and cooking meat. Eventually, he came upon a large clearing. In the middle sat a boot, massive, made of iron and leather. The stink was unbelievable. Smoke rose from the huge boot, and there was a door in its heel. He could see the two shoe goblins he chased jumping up and down and clamoring to be heard. From the door hopped the largest shoe goblin Marshall had ever seen. The ground shook with every thumping footfall of the goblin's shoe. The goblin himself was huge, with angry red eyes and ears that looked like they had been chewed on by wolves. His arms were beefy and hairy and stinky. He roared out, What mischief is this? Brother, brother, the other two goblins shouted. A tiny puny adventurer has been a bully. He stole our laces and made the saber-toothed fish bite us. He was snooping around after the unicorn. He's come to steal our new pet. Don't let him, big brother. The unicorn is super cool and we won't let him go. Worry not, little ones. I swear by my beefy arms, no such thing will happen. I will smash this adventurer with my boot. 
crunch him with my arms, and gnash him with my teeth. I am the biggest shoe goblin in all these lands, and all fear me for... All fear me from soul to pointy ears. Marshall huffed and whispered to himself, I have never known fear, and I won't start now, but care is required for this goblin that is the size of a cow. I will use my skill and trickery. This will ensure my victory. The littlest goblin drew his his slingshot and took careful aim. This was his chance. With a snap crack, a rock hit the great goblin right in the head. He jumped and stamped and made the forest floor shake. Marshall popped up and shouted, Ha ha, great shoe goblin, I have never known fear. You have felt my sling sting, but now I disappear. The shoe goblins gave chase. All three jumped through the wood, but Marshall crouched down and moved with total silence. Like a fox and a mouse, Marshall vanished in the brush. When the goblins began to think he might have escaped, they were just now considering returning home. Marshall sprung up and fired two more rocks. Snap, crack, snap, crack. Two shoe goblins mowed with pain. Ha ha, he shouted again. Shoe goblins, I have never known fear. You have felt my sling sting, but now I disappear. Now the goblins were really mad. They ripped up saplings and spit and roared, but little Marshall disappeared again. He waited till the goblins' rage had cooled again. And just when the littlest shoe goblin was complaining of hunger and wanted to turn back, snap, snap, snap! All three goblins felt the sting of stones clap and clapped their hands to their heads, now quite dazed. Marshall called out again, Ha ha, shoe goblins! I have never known fear! You have felt my sling sting, but now I disappear! Blinded with rage and dizzy from slung stones, the goblins rushed off, swearing revenge on the littlest adventurer and all of his kin. Meanwhile, Marshall, however, crept back to the shoe goblin's house. He opened the door and was shocked by what he saw. There he saw a unicorn covered in mud, who was drinking deep from a mug and belched loudly, then smacked and chewed on a great piece of greasy meat. The unicorn froze when he saw Marshall. What is this? I was told you were a hostage, not on a vacation in a cottage. Look, man, (laughs) I never asked to be rescued, all right? I just got tired of living in a stupid paddock, and I met some chill, rowdy goblins, so I had them bust me out. Just go away, man. I don't want to be rescued. But I was hired for a quest. Failure to me is no jest. Well, that's not my problem, man. I just don't want to go back. I want to stay here and roll in the mud, drink root beer, never brush my mane again. You can try to drag me back, but I will bite you so much. Nay, nay, great horse with solemn horn. I understand you wish to stay reborn. But what to tell the tomato-faced man? I think I am in need of a plan. Marshall pondered. Some folk... Might look majestic, but wish to be dirty, just like some folk might look small, but crave adventure. He thought the unicorn was truly a kindred soul, and how rude of the man to send him on such a wasteful quest. But I think an idea he might have. Marshall said to the unicorn, The tomato-faced man is clearly worried, so maybe give him the truth of his query. A note of invite to him I will deliver. Let him taste of your new life and see that he may not quiver. So Marshall returned to the red-faced man, not with a beautiful unicorn, but with an invitation to live a new life in a stinky boot with three rowdy shoe goblins. The moral of the story is love someone for who they are, not for who you want them to be. And also shoe goblins are rude even when they don't kidnap unicorns. (laughs) 
I, I, I'm, I'm clapping. I legitimately love that story. Um, this was one of those times when, um, you absolutely showed me up and I haven't even read my story, but I know that you absolutely showed me up and, um, birthday law, your story is going to be deleted from the episode. That's not birthday law. Crap. Birthday law. Story is going to be deleted from the episode. So you can't show me up. Cool. Thank you, everybody. So what I'm going to go ahead and say, if you ever think to yourself, I should write a character that speaks in rhyme, don't. I've yeah, done it like this is four the, this times. Is another time that you've done it, A, I hated it because I hate rhyming, and B, you just do this to yourself. <laughs> and you slanted now, some of those rhymes say, so hard. You're just like, ah, uh, boot and foot, they, they're the same words. <laughs> okay, look, sometimes you got to do backflips, but this is better. The first boot. time I did rhyming, I only rhymed the sound e so everything was e. i was so mad at that story that. and it was the entire thing <laughs> was <laughs> one letter right it looked like a dolphin wrote it come on it was that was one of the funny i was ones I've dude ever i was so mad at that world the place forced me and we i was like cody stop rhyming e every single time but yeah I will say it's fun to read the chat because I couldn't see it while I was reading. Yeah, no, you, know? you did So I'm great. just getting like the playbacks. You, you did absolutely fantastic. So, C Cody, I will say I did appreciate that you wrote like a really cute story like for your son and also kind of about your son. That, that was kind of fun. Um, didn't do that. The question is, is he a shoe goblin? Or I mean, your, your son is a shoe goblin. Like that's, that's all I have to say. <laughs> your, your, your son. He's a mind goblin. Yeah, I mean, he does like give Cody psychic damage. I've seen Cody not sleep for weeks but yeah um you got anything else to say about your story um yeah was that a discovery written story also are you burning something in front of you yes what, what are you doing playing why are you playing with fire it's smoking so you're burning something what are you burning i shouldn't be allowed to have candles mandy turn around and yell at him please it's out Ma mandy turn around <laughs> and yell at your husband you're right there you mean it's Say, out Dude, i got the candle for me <laughs> Oh my lord! What? No, this is my candle. I bought this one special. It's, this is my special okay, candle. Shut up, Gary. All right, so we're gonna keep the show moving. Um, I'm gonna do my story. So Cody did the littlest adventure in the shoe goblins. My story is called "You Should Have Died." We went for a different, very tone, different tone. Um, anyways, so here we go. I'm not going to be as vibrant and as delightful of a storyteller. Stop starting fires! Stop! Stop! Well, now I know it messes with you. <laughs> I, 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 birthday law. Wait, hold on, Cody. Birthday law, you have to stop doing fires. Birthday law. No more fire. All right, anyways, you should have died. Eleanor? The voice cut through the gentle silence of a warm summer evening. I almost dropped the dish I was cleaning as I recognized the startling and sudden sound. It was a voice that had become distant and foreign to me as it had been nearly two decades since I heard it last. To me, it remained a simple sound I chose to play off as just a trick of the mind or a vocal memory, uh, mimicry of my old settling house until Eleanor. The familiar voice rang out again. There was no denying its existence this time. My chest tightened and the plate fell from my hand, splashing to the soapy water below. I couldn't believe it. This could not be possible. My hand shook violently and my knees threatened to give out below me. I dared not to turn around to face the direction of the presence behind. If what I heard was real, then reality had broken and life and the life I had lived up until this point was nothing but a sham. I turned around slowly, not wanting to see the final straw that broke the back of my current life. 
There he stood casually, as if not one second had passed since I saw him last. I had to question myself, was what presented itself in front of me real or some sort of apparition from memories long dead? My legs finally gave and I began to fall. I was lucky enough to catch myself on the edge of the sink before I crashed into the ground in a heap. David? My voice croaked with confusion. I felt the grinding of sandpaper in my throat and my tongue felt like 10 pounds of dead flesh, barely able to push the name out of my mouth. Eleanor, I came back. I came back for you. The man took a slow step forward with his hand out like someone trying to calm a scared animal. I instinctively leaned away from him, wanting to be as far away as I possibly could. Unfortunately, there was nowhere to go. In front of me stood an anomaly, something that shouldn't have been there. Yet the kitchen light illuminated his strong but thin frame in his familiar face, giving me no reason to deny what I was seeing. Looking at his face, I could tell that not one single day had passed for him. His bright eyes still dully sparkled and his sandy hair brushed just past his ears, having not even grown an inch. Nothing had changed for him. I swallowed hard and forced myself to blurt out, David, how are you here? I, I was drawn here. I felt like I had to come here to find something. I had to find you. His voice had a sense of yearning. My pulse spiked after his response. I didn't ask why you were here. I asked how. I tried not to raise my voice, but I was confused and afraid. What was happening? I woke up somewhere in the woods. I don't know how I got there or why I was even there, but I felt like I had to come here. I started walking, only following the dull feeling that I belonged somewhere. It felt like I was walking for ages. Despite the exhausting distance, I knew if I stopped, I would never make it here. So I kept walking, step after step, trying to remember what happened until finally I saw the house. I recognized it immediately. It was the place I called home for so many years. I could tell he was reliving those moments and that he believed every word he said. I felt a strong feeling bubble up from inside of me. I couldn't control it. The anger burst from within me and boiled out into the calm evening air. No, David, how are you still here? You died, David. I said, trying to keep from shouting, but the words flowed out of me harshly and without control. He stepped back as if he had been hit by something. A look of pure confusion crossed his face, followed by something that looked like pain. My words sent a shockwave through him, but he recomposed himself quickly. What What are you talking about, L? If I was dead, why would I be here? Despite the shock on his face, he responded with a gentle, dulcet tone. Confusion filled his voice. I could tell he didn't feel confident about what he was saying. Still, he tried to grasp at some semblance of reality. To him, being dead made no physical sense. To me, him being alive was the part that was nonsense. I saw it, David. I saw the fire in the sky. Your ship. Your ship exploded on return, shining in the sky as bright as a morning star. Nothing was left of you or your crew except a thin red powder that they found below the site days later. My words came out fast and sharp like a dagger set to slice into its victim. It was not the tone of a wife who was seeing her husband for the first time after a long absence. His face paled and his breath grew harsh. Mm. Maybe they missed something. Maybe their search wasn't thorough enough and I was blown further out than they expected. Maybe I somehow survived the ship's explosion? I don't remember, but it could have been one of those ejection pods. It 
doesn't matter what they found or didn't find. I'm here right now, so they have to be wrong. He was reaching for anything that would make sense of the situation, but nothing like that existed. No, that's simply not possible. It wasn't just a day or two search. They searched for months and came up with nothing. They scrounged over a 50-mile radius, and even then, they said that the amount of energy that came from the explosion would have made it impossible for anything to have survived. More so, it has been 17 years. Why wouldn't you have come back sooner? Time, time has not moved for you. Look at the pictures. You haven't even aged a day. I pointed at the one picture I had left of him daring him to look. He didn't turn. He just stood there, dumbfounded, as the words sunk in slowly. 17 years? He barely choked out the words. He was starting to sway back and forth as if he was going to faint. Yes, David, 17 years. The world has moved on without you. I am sorry to be blunt right now, but I have to. You died. You were gone. You shouldn't be here right now. I don't know what circumstances brought you back, but you should not be here. I mustered up the calmest tone I could manage. Part of me wanted to comfort him, but the man who stood in front of me was not my late husband. I felt no love or empathy for the being standing in my kitchen. I, I, need, I need to sit down, he said as he swayed back and forth like a tower of Jenga seconds from collapsing. I pointed towards the entryway past the kitchen. I've remodeled here and there, but the house remains the same. There's new furniture in the living room. Sit down in there and I'll bring you some water. I watched as he walked slowly out of the kitchen. I was expecting him to turn and say something, but he just walked away and crumpled on the couch in the next room. I took my time getting him a glass of water. I was waiting to wake up from this dream, yet no such relief came. I was stuck. This was my new reality. After so many years, after finally moving on and creating the life that I wanted, he was back to take everything from me, to change my life back into what he wanted. I wanted to scream, to beg him to leave, to run out the door and go anywhere I could away from him. Instead, I stood there and eventually filled a crystal glass with cold water. There was nothing left in this house that was part of his life prior to his absence. Everything left was of my making. I rebuilt my life from the ground up, without his or anyone else's help. Now he was back as if he still had a place here. His place had long disappeared after he left. This was my life, not his, and I was not ready to give that up out of some obligation to piece back together the nuclear family. I joined him in the living room, gently placing a glass on the coffee table in front of him, and I went to sit in the furthest chair from him. David looked disappointed that I didn't sit next to him. I was still being cautious. I didn't know why he was here or truly if he even was David. I half expected him to attack me on my way in, strangling me to death like some schlocky sci-fi horror movie. But instead, he did not budge when I entered. He barely even budged when I set his glass down. I sat there silently. There were so many questions, so many thoughts racing through my head threatening an aneurysm. I wanted to blurt out everything I was thinking, flood the room with the words that I never thought in the 17 years I would get to say to him. My separate peace was ruined by him sitting there, and I wanted him to know that. I wanted to punish him for leaving. I wanted to punish him for coming back. None of that happened. Instead, I sat there silently, waiting for him to make a move. He looked around the room, eyes bouncing from picture to picture of a life that left him behind. This all had to be hard for him, too, to be thrust back into a world where he didn't belong. 
Time crawled on before he finally spoke in a low, gentle voice. What, what happened to the kids? Elise is a nurse in Boston engaged to a beautiful young woman, and Marcus is studying for his master's in biomedical engineering. I said proudly to the stranger in my living room. Wow, that's amazing, he said with awe. We raised them well. I wish I could have. You don't get to say that. I cut him off. My blood was quick to boil, and a red fog fell over my eyes. Even before the explosion, you chose to leave. You didn't want this boring suburban life anymore. You wanted adventures and exploration. You told me you couldn't be held down anymore, and it was your destiny to see the stars. You left a wife and two children so you could go off and play Space Commander. You had nothing to do with where they are today. That was me. I raised them well, not you, I shouted. My voice echoed against the dark, empty house. He barely flinched. The only thing that crossed his face was confusion. More of that stupid, confused look. I was starting to hate that look so much I wanted to scream until it faded from his face. I'm sorry. I don't remember that. I'm sorry I hurt you like that. I'm back now. I can, I can make this right. Of course he didn't remember. He could never take responsibility for the things he did. His words felt sincere, but I knew they were empty. You don't just get to walk back into our lives and claim a place after you willingly left. This isn't something you can just forget. You left us to feed your own narcissistic pleasure. You wanted to be the hero who went into deep space, the pioneer for the next step in space travel. We had to watch helplessly and hope you came back safely, but you didn't. You dissolved in that bright light. That fire in the sky consumed all of you. You don't just get to come back here and pretend none of those hard times happened. I was left alone to take care of two kids, to hold together an already unstable life. I was left to do it all by myself as you went on a grand adventure. You had your time. This is mine. My anger filled the room, pushing any and all other emotions out. It became so potent I was afraid it would tear the house apart. Despite my rage, the world I created was still intact. Unfortunately, the man who threatened to ruin it still sat in front of me, quiet, confused, and deep in thought. He didn't say a word after my speech. He just sat there taking it all in. I was waiting to hear his bitter, sarcastic tone that I had heard so many times in the past. Are you done yet? But that brutal response never came. And what about you? How has the last 17 years treated you? He said after clearing his throat. His tone was gentle despite his wavering voice. I saw a sparkle in his eyes that looked like a tear. He was growing pale again, almost as if he was going to throw up. The grip of anger lightened, and I thought about his question for a while before I answered. Honestly, they have been great. After the funeral, things were hard, but I knew we would make it through. Growing with the kids was excellent. We had so much fun in this house. We worked to fill the void that you left. Over the years, I made many friends. I followed my own career path, and I did what I could to free myself from that emptiness. When the kids left, I thought that void would eat me whole, but it didn't. I backpacked through Europe, went on adventures I never thought were possible. I met new and unique people, and I lived. I lived the life I never thought I would have and came back here to settle down and create a new adventure. I lived even though you died. I had joy that I never experienced during our years of marriage. Up until his arrival, I felt unstoppable. The pride and joy I felt seemed to have a negative effect on him. I watched tears roll down David's face. 
I'm happy for you, he said after a while. I want to be a part of this life, a part of this new you. I want to make up for the 17 years that I was gone. I want to fill that void again to make you happy since I wasn't able to for nearly two decades. Please, Elle, let me back in. Let me make all this up to you. I was an idiot. I should have never left. I made a mistake, but I was given the divine chance to fix it all. Please, let me just do that. What? What? Why are you laughing at me again? It's just like, to me, it's like something space magic happened that he's like, nope, Jesus. Pretty sure. Pretty sure this <laughs> well, is I, Jesus I have the power of Lucifer in my hand. <laughs> yeah, it's just when, it's just like it took an Alex Jones turn in a way that I was. It's like, please <laughs> let me. Judeo Christian God gave me a second chance. Like, did he? <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay. The <laughs> I have the power of Lucifer. <laughs> it's a demon feast, folks. It's a demon feast. <sighs> I had no clue what to say to him. I don't know what to say right now. I don't even know what to think. I was shocked. He shuddered and buried his face in his hands. Eleanor, I'm feeling sick again, he said through pained breaths. I think I, think I need to go lay down. You know where the bedroom is, I said without thinking. It was too late to regret those words, so I continued. I'll bring you water in a bit. Get rest. This is confusing for me, too. My heart sunk. It was impossible not to feel anything for him. I wanted to nurture and care for him, but I couldn't bring myself to do that. I watched as he shakily stood up, finished off his water, and walked to the upstairs of the house. His declaration of what he wanted left me stunned. Our marriage had started with a grand fanfare, but was far from perfect. There were knockdown, drag-out fights that would lead to him disappearing for days. We had the wrong thought that having children would bring us together again, that they would return the spark of love that happened when we said our I do's. We were dead wrong. Having kids only drove us further apart until, until he was cursing the suburban life that we worked so hard to achieve. To him, I was only a shackle that held him securely in a prison of his own making. He was never open with me, never honest with what he wanted, and at the first chance of freedom, he left. It was only supposed to be a quick adventure, and once he had his fill, he would come back and we would be whole again. All he wanted to do was get it out of his system. He never returned from that trip, and I moved on. I created a life for myself. I discovered what it was that I really wanted. It was freeing. I felt better now than I had ever felt in my life. Now he was back. He was back to take that all from me. My insides twisted into a knot. My heart hardened into an impenetrable diamond. The kids were happy. They made names for themselves. Their father left their lives, and they built beautiful lives on their own without his help. He was no part of any of our lives. He was a dark smudge that we had spent years trying to clean and finally got rid of. None of us needed him. I needed to protect what we had created without him. I remembered everything we went through as if those things were still happening. I remembered the fights, the shattered dishes against walls, the bare knuckles against my skin. I remembered the days when I was left crying myself to sleep. I remembered the day he left, secretly hoping he would never come back. I remembered the feeling I had when I saw the bright light in the sky that engulfed his ship. It wasn't sadness. It wasn't pain. It was relief. He was back now. He was inevitable. I could not escape him. Call it mania or whatever it may have been. 
I soon found myself standing outside the bedroom door, heart racing, trying to tell myself not to go through with this. The cold plastic handle sat comfortably in my hand. The silver blade shone brightly as the moonlight from a nearby window reflected on its smooth surface. The door creaked loudly as I pushed it open. The man that called himself David shot up from the bed and looked at me with concern and shock across his face. Eleanor, wh what are you doing? He said as he tried to sit up. I, des I didn't hesitate and I continued to move quickly towards him. You don't just get to come back into my life. You should have died, I yelled, lunging at him before he could stand up. I plunged a knife deep into his chest. It slid in him like butter, even though I was sure I hit his sternum. Instead of being greeted by a splash of blood, his chest began to crumble, leaving a dark red powder as if he was beginning to rot. David fell back onto the bed, his arms spread out like a cross. I straddled him with my legs and reversed my grip on the knife. You should have died! I screamed automatically as I brought the knife back down on his chest. Again, another dark hole opened in him as the other began to spread. There was no blood, no guts, just that dark red powder, the same powder they found over the site of the explosion. You should have died! You should have died! You should have died! I brought the knife down again and again, tearing into his crumbling form. As I kept forcing the knife down, I felt it slip in my hand, opening up a deep gash into my palm. The blood from my hand spilled across his body. It was the only real blood that was present. I kept stabbing and stabbing as I felt his body crumble under me. More of that red powder began to spill forth. I was crazed. I knew what I was doing was wrong, and I couldn't stop myself. I had to protect my life. I had to protect my children. This form beneath me could not ruin what I had created. He had to die. You should have died! You should have died! I continued to scream repeatedly. I stabbed and stabbed until there was nothing left, and I was simply plunging the knife into the bedding. My throat was raw. My heart was pounding. My hand throbbed with pain. Tears poured from my face. I knew what I had done was wrong, but it was a necessity. His body was gone. All that remained was a red powder and the silhouette of a man. I collapsed and rolled to the clean side of the bed. I did not know what this powder could do to me. I huffed, gasping for air, gasping for relief, praying that this was all some sort of elaborate nightmare. I snapped awake and quickly turned to look at the bed. The sickening red powder was still there in the shape that David had left. Fortunately, the cut in my hand had clawed it. The pain still seared, reminded me of what had happened the previous night. No one would know that David was here, and if they did, they wouldn't believe it, much less be able to prove what happened. I would be free from my crime, free, free from the threat on my life. I just had to clean up and forget what had happened as David had forgotten what he had done. I knew I was free to live my life again, free of the oppression that, had, that my late husband had brought. To some, they would have seen this as the true death of my husband. To many, this supernatural event would have changed their entire life. To me, it was just another day. Life would go on. And that's my story. Complete, total shift. The best thing I'm good at. <laughs> and you're silent. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I think my only thought is I wish it was longer. Oh, like my dick. Um, Sorry. Huh? Nothing. I said nothing. Like, okay. <laughs> um, like, I think the only thing, like, structurally is, like, I wish there was more of, like, a thematic setup for the reason for this to happen. Does that make sense? Sure. 
Um, but that would have required like another five pages. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that and then that wouldn't have been a short story. <laughs> right. Yeah. Ooh, interesting, Bickham's. That's an interesting thing. Can you explain that, Cody? What? Also, Carly, thank you for rating. Thank you so much. Party of five, like the TV show. But um, so I already told Leah this, but um, so the idea for the story, the concept of the story actually came from the comedy um, gay pirate show, Our Flag Means Death, um, the scene towards the end where he goes back home and sees that his wife like uh, continue life without him because like she thought he was dead, but he like tries to fit back into that normal life. And then I decided to... Um, take a more horror approach to that and be like, oh yeah, no, there's like space magic and she stabs him up in the end. <laughs> but I don't know. I just, it's kind of on my continuing um, goal of being a horror writer. And I just wanted to like work with something a little shorter than I've written before and just kind of like take an idea and rather than like smash someone over the head of, um, with exposition, like I kind of do with um, the no name story that I write, I kind of wanted to weave in some of the exposition as I went, like the fact that it was a, like a space crash and that like he went to space, the red powder, all of that I like wanted to weave as I went rather than just like up top being like, hey, her husband died in a freaking space shuttle explosion. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, tr I, tr I try I try to work it a little bit more than what I'm used to. So that, that was like a little out of my comfort zone. But I, I, I don't know. I really enjoy what I'm, I wrote. No, and I think like everything I liked everything that you wrote. I just wish there was like a little bit more. I guess like what I mean is, um, well, and I don't know. Maybe this isn't true. Chad can disagree with me because I'm just kind yeah, of like him. speaking off the cuff and not well thought out. Yeah, fight him. Like, um, so the story's about a woman who um felt that you know like was abused by her husband and then dealing with the fact that she was abandoned by him and like had to reclaim her life yes. right and then like never had the catharsis of like doing that to his face right yeah, ne never like, like like it's the thing like when you just when you're miserable in a relationship and that person ends up breaking up with you and you're just like, oh, I wish I was the one who broke it. I wish I was the one who like yeah. said all those things to your face, but you don't get that chance. And like part of it is like kind of getting that chance, but also part of that is after that thing happened, being able to live your life and like discover who you are without that person. I can say like in this story, it will be like assumed that they have been to like high school sweetheart type things. But like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like then that's I, I like guess... all she knew was him. And then like when he's gone, she is able to rediscover her life. And then him coming back was like a threat to that. And it was like immediate go into protection mode of everything that like happened. I think I liked that. Yes. I, yeah. And, and I think all that was really well done. I think maybe what it is, is I wish there had been something in her life that she felt that she needed to resolve. Okay. Maybe either outside of or related to him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because she was like, well, and I guess that was kind of, I don't know. See, it, maybe I'm wrong I was going to say, it's like, that was there, Cody. <laughs> that was all there. Well, <laughs> no, not exactly. And I don't know. I don't know. And this is, again, where I'm like, I think I might be wrong, but mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Like. Birthday Law, you're wrong. Birthday like, Law, you don't think you're wrong. You are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, a demon feast. <laughs> it, yeah, it's a demon feast. Trying to think of the right way to put it, because I'm not explaining myself well. But it's difficult because I just heard the story, so it's hard to like get your head around it. Yeah. Um. 
I think what I mean is that like her life did not change as a, she wasn't not doing something because she hadn't resolved things with her husband. Mm. She wasn't unhappy because she hadn't resolved things with her husband. It was only a problem because he walked in the door and then she had to solve that problem that was right there in front of yeah. her. Yeah. Does that make that sense? That makes sense. Like it, it's, I guess like a little hacky to be like, you know, like the hero's journey, like, yeah, the hero has to go off and save the day, but at the end he is changed by the experience. It feels like she was not okay. because she had already kind of made peace with the fact that she was done with her husband and wanted that other life more. Um, but again, I think that that would it, I think that would be easy to add like a little bit more meat there about how she doesn't feel fully content even after like all this time and after. See, but I, th- doing I think all the these- thing is that she does feel fully content and having him back being like, oh, I want to be in this life and I want to like reestablish after having someone who, as I explained, like did abuse her, having him come back and be like, I want to make this more about me and be back into your life, even though you've already moved on. I feel like that was the conflict rather than, oh, there's something that she needs to resolve. It's that this thing came back to um, change things for her. Yeah, I guess it just kind of means that the main character doesn't have an arc, though, right? Like, they don't change throughout the Well, I guess the, the, the arc, especially in written in this short story form, the arc was the 17 years. Well, yeah, see, that, see that, that's... That okay, Caitlin, that Caitlin just with. says exactly what I just said. It's like, I think the tricky part is that the point of the story starts, at the point where the story starts, she has gone through the character off the uh, arc off screen. And I, I completely yeah. agree with that. Um, And I guess I wish that there was an on-screen arc of some sort like it doesn't even have to be something big like even something like there's a picture that she left up of her husband that she never threw away yeah there was you know what i mean <laughs> there literally well, was okay <laughs> bad example <laughs> so like then the end should have been her throwing away okay, that picture well, you know i'll what write I mean? in that she tears up the pictures make sure there's nothing no trace of him left i mean that's literally a sentence i could add and i, I like well, that i like that I much better than like adding something top loading something like adding, like, yeah, oh yeah, and again, I got rid of I everything that like, was left of him. With it, this, I think I've said this to you before, where it's like there was, um, I don't, I liked all of the stuff that you wrote. I, well, and this is like ironic for me to say that I'm like, I wish you had written more. A, a yeah, criticism yeah, it, I've never I've given that's you before. the most ironic thing you've ever <laughs> said on the show because usually you're making fun of me for writing too much. <laughs> Cody, Cody, hello. Huh? Sorry, I was reading Caitlin's <laughs> message and wasn't sure if she was saying that that means you shouldn't add anything else yeah, Caitlin, or that you should Caitlin, add you're, something you're else. you're the editor in this case. What do you think? You get to say of what happens to the story that's not going to go past the show and will probably sit in my folder of curiosities. <laughs> Maybe a cabinet no, of curiosities. No, 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 no. It's a folder. I'm not going to actually build a cabinet. No, Caitlin, I'm not joking. What do you think? You're the only one giving me input right now other than Cody. Other than Co- other than Cody is literally what I just said. Working on it. Okay, we'll give you time. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I mean I appreciate your feedback. Um, no, I really liked it though. It was an interesting story. I really appreciate that you explained nothing. I'm a fan I, of that. That's what I was like trying um, to do because I always explain everything in such great detail, and I just wanted to like have it this thing that like gets a few snippets and then stays that way you don't get to know what the red powder is you don't get to know what the actual space mission was or like what happened you don't get to know any of that just it happened it's there yeah no i think i think in terms of 
like getting across a story with like minimal um getting across a story with very minimal like set dressing and explanation i thought you did a really good job of it just like emotionally you got what this was going to be you yeah. know and why um so i i really liked that um and then yeah just not feeling the need to over explain sci-fi bs like well and i think i kind of joked about it where it's like you know divinity has given me this chance again like sure why not like because it who knows what it was but you know it doesn't matter like that's not the point yeah yeah and i well, like because that was like kind of what i was running into with my like long form story is that like i ended up explaining everything like everything and it got to the point where like yeah, I have a chapter well, that's like mostly exposition because I am filling in the blanks of like all these sci-fi gods that don't really need to have it. We don't need to know other than the fact like the main facts of like where the monster comes from and stuff, but we didn't need to know all the other stuff. And that's something I'm gonna like work on tightening up when I like go back and do like true edits on the story. But uh, this was like well, and specifically true, for your long yeah, story. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm talking about. The long story. Not, I mean, this. Yeah. I I do kind of agree with like what Chad is saying is like kind of like tie like instead of just leaving off where like oh she wakes up realize what she done and then that's the end like tying up like getting like having that arc of like getting rid of his stuff and all that and making sure like there is no trace of him left. I think on top of the fact that literally there's no trace of him left because <laughs> he's now red powder. Um, and I also like the thing is I don't have an explanation of what the red powder is. There's not like in my mind, I didn't create a concept. There's, it doesn't exist. No, I don't think it needs and, to. It doesn't, that doesn't matter. Yeah, and, 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 <laughs> yeah. and that's like the first time when I've done a story like that, where I didn't have all the answers. And I, I, yeah. I thought it was interesting. Like this is an exercise of me to be more brief. And that's like, like, like I said, I did a couple more like short stories that I have a couple more short stories that I want to write after we do the long form stories. And this is like my exercise is like trying to, like I said, trying to take another step towards being more of like a ho horror writer. I like to write like paranormal stuff, but I, I think that's more of my step and I want to like explore that part of me a little bit more. And that's, that's mostly what these stories are. No. And I think given like the style that you usually writing, cause like definitely with like that longer one, um, what's it called? Like the longer story that you're actually planning on editing and trying to have other people look at, like, I think especially the chapter that we're talking about where it was just so much exposition, like just all dumped on you. It's like that definitely needs yeah, to be cut up and edited. And it's a similar thing where it's like, I don't think any of that stuff was poorly written or shouldn't even be there. It's just shouldn't be yeah, there. Shouldn't, like as that yeah, big chunk chunk it and shouldn't like top load all the exposition of one thought. <laughs> but I do think this flowed a lot better. And I do think as like an exercise and specifically what you don't do, this was really Thank good you. for that. Cause it was, stylistically different than what you would typically do where you'd be like it was the xenon 7x rocket yeah. and it was flying specifically a colonizing mission <laughs> yeah, right? and there were four people in the crew and it's like none of that yeah, matters. Like, none, none of that information matters because like the point that matters is he's back and now he's all stabbed up also i do like writing stories as i found recently in on our episode of we belong where we also did stories like this where i um i found that i do like writing stories where women just murder men it's kind of fun <laughs> i thought you were about to say uh miserable sad boy oh stories. no 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 like, all yeah. see no, no that's not that's not a new discovery i love writing miserable sad. <laughs> the other story that i wrote was about a person um getting over the uh suicide of a friend i'm like that's something i shouldn't read on the show <laughs> like that's something that should stay where it is in my like my own personal catharsis we don't need to read that story to anybody ever <laughs> 
put that in the folder of curiosity. Yep, I'm actually going to rename my folder set of World Shop stories and other to just the folder of curiosities. <laughs> but yeah, no. It just makes me happen because I'm watching the Captain Yeah, no, I, the only reason right I br- said folder of curiosities is because you mentioned Captain Curiosities. That's, that's the only <laughs> But yeah, no, but like future stories, I have like a one where it's like, I kind of don't want to write it because it has similarities to your stories of um, being set in a hell, not the hell, being a woman who is trying to help someone escape from a hell, not the hell. And I'm like, "Mm, that's way too close to what Cody is doing. But I also like this idea a lot and describing demons is fun. Well, yes, that is true. But it's also, again, more dark and sad boy than your story. (laughs) I mean, you don't know what happens you, in my story yet. I do kind of know what happens to, but in your story might. because you told me. Um. Well, yeah, sort of, but there's yeah. a lot of unfilled in boxes with Man, that. And I also want to go back and write, like, the second part or, like, another part of the um audio. Well, not write it as an audio drama, but write a story form of the second part of the audio drama that we wrote, the Western with the kids and the monsters and all that. Oh, But yeah, again, yeah, yeah, kind of yeah, similar yeah. to my story that I'm doing now. <laughs> Which I also you know, had the idea of tying those two stories together, be like having Nate and Danny be a character in that story would be really fun. Oh, yeah, that actually kind of fits, yeah. yeah. But anyways, we need to go on to the next part of the show, Cody. Well, I mean, it's our show. Well, yeah, you know, I know. We can talk as long as we yeah. want. And I feel like you're not going to be, like, happy with I'm me not after going, this next bit. I, Cody, I already can tell you that I'm not going to be happy with Jordan, you. I just want to say I thought your story was Thank fantastic. You. All A pluses. You're trying. You're trying to great. top load happiness. You're good at the show. Um, I like your hat. I think your room looks cool, and I like your decorations. <laughs> don't don't um, mess with me, bro. So do you want to? Do you want to talk about? Uh, do you want to talk about? Um, okay, here's the question that I want to ask you. 80 BD, 80s BDSM nightmares or uh, yeah, that's what the, yeah, that's first. what I was about to ask. Like, do, do you want to like top load with the one that's probably probably gonna agree on, or do you want to top load with the screaming match? I'm. Are we going to agree on Hellraiser? I, I enjoyed Hellraiser. Oh well, let's talk about Hellraiser. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, let's be. Okay, nice so to each what other we're doing? So we didn't get a chance to do this on the actual recording, so we're doing it live. But we um, are going to finish up with our review of the movies that we watched for the Halloween season, which were Hellraiser and Mother. And um, I guess we are going to start with Hellraiser so we don't end up screaming at each other. We'll end on that. It's funny we'll end on because just in my notes, I eight. wrote this as pre-show banter, but I had to, like, while we were talking, change it to post-show. <laughs> so, so we're going to do the post-show um, talking about Hellraiser. Co- Cody, look, can I... Can, do you want to go first on Hellraiser? Or do you want me to, since I was the one who didn't hadn't watched it, I guess I should technically go first. Why don't you just tell me, like, because okay, I imagine you've seen Pinhead. Yeah, I, I right? know. See, that's the thing is, I never seen Hellraiser, but I know of Pinhead, and I know of like like of the whole Cenobite thing, and like I made the joke in the like D and D episode that we did about like dejected Pinhead being a character, which still is the- a hilarious character. Just like I'm on my break. <laughs> it's just like sm- smoking like a clove cigarette outside of like a carnival tent is very funny to see Pinhead doing. Oh, yeah. But, okay, yeah, I guess I'll go that. into like my my thoughts on it. Um, One, I'm going to start with the cons. One, way too much goop. Every time they showed Frank's body, he was basically <laughs> covered in semen. 
Slimy, <laughs> slimy movie. Way, way too much goo. <laughs> Two, this isn't really a con, but it is a con on like the movie itself. But like, I thought it was really funny. It was also brought some charm to the movie where the like demon, like monster thing is like chasing her through the hallway. Um, Like there's like a tight hallway yeah. and chasing her. You can absolutely see the dude in the back pushing the cart that the monster is set up on. It is very yeah. funny because you can like straight up see the yeah. dude in the back wearing all black as you're supposed to in like theater performances like this. But he's straight up pushing the cart that this monster's on. And it like took me out of the sea. But I thought that was just really charming for like this is an older movie, the practical effects. Sometimes you have to have a dude push a cart with a demon on it. Low budget. Low budget. <laughs> um, it was not a thing yet. It wasn't like a, oh my gosh, it's Pinhead, the the Darth Vader of horror movies. It was not the case yet. Um, but yeah, that's like, like the cons is just like, I don't know, just like way too much goop. It, I felt like it was also kind of too short where, and I felt like they didn't really truly expand, exp- like truly extend some of the ideas that they were like putting into it. Um, no, it was really minimal. Like, like, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. like, like they, they, they didn't really explain much. Like, and that's fine, but there was like some like really cool concepts and really cool ideas, especially things that you don't really see in like movie, like kind of movies now, but also a lot of movies back then. Like you get your rare gems, but like the fact that like the like woman was like the main villain and like the one who's like bringing people to like murder them in order to like get what she wants like that was like a cool thing that you don't see in a lot of older movies like this where this like complete femme fatale like character just like f it up dudes to get what like using her own sexuality to get what she wants from these guys who are just all men are dogs dude you walk into this room that is this like completely run down just horror house and they're like oh yes i would love to have oh okay we have a raiding party so i'm not gonna like say this line in front of people that i don't know but like it's the thing where she brings them to this room to kill them to spill the blood for frank and she does that under the pretext that she's going to have sex with them but she walks they walk into this room there's already blood on the ground it's this rundown attic room and they're like there's no bed and then they're like yeah let's get it on yeah, let's All do it. All men right? this is are how it looks. dogs. Every single man in existence is a dog. And that showed me no, that. No, they're dumb. Like, but, they're just okay. Stupid. If someone, no matter how like ready I was, if someone took me to that room, it's like take off your clothes. I would be like, goodbye, getting out of here because you're definitely you going to stab know, me in the chest a whole bunch, which she did. Do you want to know what the uh, solution to that is? Don't George? meet women in malls. No, in, it wasn't even at a bar. It was in the mall. <laughs> Have it be the 80s. All of those guys are on a lot of coke. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> but yeah, um, um, that was like the the what like just not even remotely believable part. And also, at the very end, like the dude is clearly wearing her dad's face covered in like blood from here back. And she's like, oh, like hugs him and stuff. Oh, daddy. And stuff's like, how do you not realize that he's covered in blood and is clearly wearing your father's face? So, um, I, I saw the newest Hellraiser. I watched parts of that at a bar and that is not something you want to put on at a bar. (laughs) That's a weird bar choice. I I talked to my brother about it and, um, you know, we, we were discussing this movie and he's like, you know, I think you missed something from Hellraiser when like the scandalous part of the movie is a woman has like sex in a bed with her boyfriend 
And it's like in the original Hellraiser, they didn't even have sex in beds. They were doing it on the floor. Yeah, well, he was half melted, and everyone's getting covered in blood slimes, and they're all like rubbing all over each other. And I'm like, that's kind of a thing. Like this movie is about like '80s debauchery. It it only works within that setting of like everyone is on drugs. <laughs> And it is just insanity, right? Um, and so I think you do kind of miss something with a modern audience when it has to suddenly be like tame and balanced. I don't think the new Hellraiser is necessarily taste. tame. By comparison, By comparison yes. Yeah. But I do not think that movie is necessarily tame. I watched parts of it at a bar. Okay, also, I've really seen quick it. question, Cody. Every time I looked up at the movie when I was watching at the bar, it was subtitled. I kept seeing them saying, I'm so sorry. How many times in that movie did they say the phrase, I'm so sorry? This is what I mean, Jordan. This is what I'm saying. No one said, I'm sorry in Hellraiser, right? They just said, come up to my murder attic in. and get eaten by a zombie a while zombie I almost that's have sex with in you. Goop. Just covered in goop. Goop, sexy goop zombie. He wasn't right? even like, he was way weirder. He wasn't sexy. That was not a sexy image. As a human he being, was, he though. was, but he as a laid. zombie, he was not. <laughs> so the issue is the guy in the new Hellraiser, who's kind of the stand-in for the creepy uh, attic uncle, is um, he's just like a rich guy, and he has like a rich guy party, right, to show his like life of debauchery, and it's just like people in nice clothes drinking cocktails. And I'm like, if the dude from Hellraiser 1 had a party in a mansion it would look like eyes wide yes, shut absolutely not like a not like a church mixer and <laughs> this one Could looked you, like a you church look like mixer. you're about to go to a church mixer that's what i'm saying though i'm not the guy that should be in hellraiser and <laughs> i'm the guy who should be in hellraiser ah! <laughs> like her the the main character's uncle who's in the attic it is creepy wow, wow. he's like a real degenerate yes, he is. he's like a super creep yes, right gross who finds a murder box and then summons um creepy bdsm demons and i bought that because he's a freak i did not buy that when they started like pulling him apart would you say that it's a demon feast folks (laughs) it's a demon feast (laughs) it's a demon feast (laughs) okay wait i gotta ask the chat something and this is me hearing it in my own ear do i do i have a good alex you have a way better one than i have yeah, I mean, your Alex Jones is terrible. That's not up <laughs> for debate. But I think mine's actually objectively speaking good. I don't think so Chad, Alex just let Jones me know is I... objectively speaking good. So I don't think you can say that about yourself. No, but I, I feel a, like I can really... You know how like, some people can do a good Donald Trump? I feel like I can do a good Alex Anyways, Jones. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> Lester just doesn't respond to that. Just, just doesn't respond to that. <laughs> Okay, we need. Okay, we got to request to hear the Alex Jones voice. You got to do do Alex Jones voice. It's a that's demon all feast. you can say. No, save. You got to say more. No, I'm talk, just saying it's a demon feast. <laughs> <laughs> you see, the globalists when they when they finally want to round us all up into pens, and then they're gonna eat the babies. <laughs> that's what they're, they're doing. They're they eating the babies. Eating the babies, folks. <laughs> they are eating the babies. Yeah, that that's that's a good Alex Jones. I'm mad about it. You don't understand. I'm gonna be a warrior for this. They're eating the babies. Can, can I know it. That you have Anyways. Lucifer in your hand, and that you've seen into the mind of the sometimes, devil. Sometimes it gets too dark, and I can <laughs> I can feel Lucifer in the palm of my hands. <laughs> I just have to leave. Oh my god! It, okay, Cody, <laughs> Cody, that like legitimately, that's that is actually pretty fun. That's that's pretty fun. That's what they say. They just say, "Come over here. You're gonna get Lucifer, and you'll feel strong." 
And that's why I take the supplement <laughs> Brain Blasters. <laughs> I take four a day. I just take one dropper just right on the tongue. Oh, sorry. Sorry, guys, that I'm playing clips from InfoWars. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. We got to get back to the show. Cody, come back. Go, Cody. This is where you take powdered moose testicles. <laughs> it, makes them, it makes them grow boys. <laughs> oh, my God. You don't understand. After my third divorce, <laughs> this is what saved me. Powdered moose testicles. I don't. I don't. Now, look. I know the, the moose in Canada. They're socialists. <laughs> And they're they're globalists, so I only I only take the moose from America. Anyways, America's we gotta moose. finish talking about Hellraiser. I think we agree on most of it, but anyways, keep going. I'm bringing <laughs> I'm bringing the show back. <laughs> that was quite the thing to rate into. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Uh, oh man! All right, I'm having a good time. <laughs> yes. Anyways, anyways everything moose. I said was a joke. Don't <laughs> don't uh, don't do moose. <laughs> it's a demon feast. Well, guys, it's, it's, a, it's just the matter-of-fact way that he said it. With he like wasn't, the like, like, the, like slow, like that. guitar, like jazzy guitar going in the background. Do 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 do. Well, it's a it's a demon feast. And it's like, it's a it's a demon feast. Enough with the Canadian business, Mies. I think what Mies. I really hope is that Alex Jones goes home and you know he's like you know he like <laughs> cracks a nice Lacroix and he takes a sip of it and then he's just like. Oh, man. All right. Oh God. Ooh. I need a day off. The voice is getting Ooh, rough. My throat hurts from that. <laughs> so, um, anyways, uh, then he like goes back into work and he like is sitting in the parking lot, just like chain smoking. He like doesn't smoke. He's like, this is just for work. <laughs> I, I love like drink, drinks and drinks. So, anyways, uh, that was a weird day, huh? I talked about Lucifer in my head and um, clones and um, being a self-aware cyborg. That was weird. Oh, sorry. All right. So my thing that I loved about Hellraiser that stuck out to me is the first movie. Yeah, is there's not a lot of Cenobites in it. No, you know, barely like, any Cenobites. It's mostly a woman very killing short, dudes but, in an attic. Yeah, for um, like a super pervy uncle. The thing that I loved about the movie is that I can tell in the script they're like this movie take like exterior, big manor in like an estate. It's, like, old and worn down and massive. It's, like, a place where nobility would have lived. It reeks of history and intrigue. And they're like, we have a row house (laughs) that we got for 50 bucks that we can shoot in for a week. So, and they're like, does it have an attic at least? And they're like, kind of, but it's real small. (laughs) Like, I know in your head you're thinking, like, secret room. It's, like, it's just upstairs. (laughs) So, they there's like a pile of guts upstairs that somehow no, no one notices. Also, I'm like, no one notices the just sheer smell of dead thing. Well, right. And if you're in a huge house, you can kind of accept like that's in the forbidden wing. But yeah, it's if like, you're in a house that's like barely bigger than my apartment, you're going to smell that. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing is it's like this house is 1,000 square feet. It's tiny. And that's the thing. She's like getting chased through the hallways by the setabites and they're like bumping into the walls because there's they're no so room. narrow there's no room at all just a very very small set but i like that the cenobites weren't evil per se they are kind yes. of but they're like we will show you pleasures so horrifying and i'm like that's a that's a cool villain see in, in that that was when um pinhead's voice was like and i am pinhead and i will show you pleasures most foul it was not like his his uh so i it's Smoked with Alex Jones today, voice. 
yeah, that's true. He kind of does have like yeah, a yeah, like in that because I've heard him one. in others, and it's definitely not this voice. Yeah, yeah, and you know the the kind of what Pinhead is changes as they have to like explain. It's kind of has the Darth Vader thing where it's like, oh, Pinhead's cool. We got to keep putting, yeah, we have to keep going. We got to make Pinhead. the whole franchise about him. Also, now, technically so not called. He gets Pinhead, like a backstory. Just the priest. Pinhead was a uh, term coined by fans. Yeah, but I mean, but yeah, okay. I mean, I like the name. The sure. priest sounds way cooler. Than, look at this pinhead. Well, yeah, but he's got pins. Well, in his yes, head. that's why they call him Pinhead. Because he's yeah, because he's a literal. He's a dude he's with literal. He went to an acupuncturist and was like, "Yeah, actually, this is fine." And then he got up and left. Nah, 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 nah. He went to a BDSM and club. There was an acupuncturist and was like, yes, there. Yes, give me the nails. <laughs> it's like, like, what this to hurt? Oh, okay, okay. Let's keep going. But yeah. And they're also like in a row. It's not like they're just shoved. Like it's like done stylistically. Yeah, it's very yeah. meticulous. But that's the thing. All of them are very meticulous. I like in the their, one uh, Cinnabite that's debauchery. just fat. <laughs> like that's his power is just being fat. Well, he's not just fat, but yeah. <laughs> he's just a, he's like a fat dude with his necks like back like this. He's like, I'm, I'm a Cinnabite. It is like a little bit unfair that Pinhead gets to kind of be hot. <laughs> yeah, and then he's, he's like, like, I look like a thumb. <laughs> I, like, I look like a thumb with a weird mouth. You don't get a lot of like Cenobite attention, do you? Like He's the other Cenobites and fat. don't. <laughs> hey, they might not be. They might I, not be horny. He's a Cenobite. He's horny. Yeah. Anyways, right. Cody, is there's anything else you want? I just I enjoyed it. It was like a good watch to watch one of like the classic horror movies. I yeah, it's it's an interesting one considering how much stuff there is around it. It's interesting to go back to when it was very minimal and it's just about like a creepy uncle in an attic. Uh, it was it, affairs. not as great, but it did the same thing where I was like, oh, this movie does really hold up. Like when I watched um, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, like it holds up like almost in the same way. Which yeah. is like, no, this is still similar to an enjoyable movie. Still really weird. And like practical effects were great, except for when the homeless dude just turns into a demon at the end. For no reason. I forgot that that Literally, there is that that no happened. reason that happens. Not explained. I appreciate the show Don't Tell, but the homeless dude just turns into a demon and flies into the night sky. Uh, Yeah, I did. I did forget that happened. It's been like two years since yeah. I've seen the movie. You see so. this like creepy dude Oops. around like constantly. Then at the end, he grabs the, um, the puzzle box off the fire, turns into a demon and flies into the night sky. And that's how we get a sequel, guys. I don't. I don't actually think that is how the sequel starts. I think it starts with her in like a mental asylum and there's like a shrink that's like obsessed with Pinhead and the Cenobites. Interesting. Well, they they, they wasted that in there, man. Anyways, Cody, (laughs) let's fight. Yeah, let's fight about Mother. So I think I kind of want you to start on this. Well, do you want me to go first? You went first. Yeah, I went first because I hadn't watched it. So you get to go first because you hadn't watched it. And then I'll talk about why I liked it. Let's go. Okay. So here's... So I messaged you like when I was 30 minutes into the movie and I said, I hate watching this movie. Um, And you were like, what do you mean? I'm like, I hate the experience of watching this movie. And that is not necessarily a bad thing. It was meant meant to to be loathsome to watch, right? Like it was not supposed to be pleasurable to watch. (laughs) Now, there are caveats there. So I agree, there is nothing wrong with the movie going, we are going to be unpleasant to watch, right? Yes, Cody. If it, if it has something interesting to say at all. So, you know, I'm you watching the movie and I go, okay, to say. I'm getting yes, there. I'm watching, 
I'm I'm watching the movie and I'm like, okay, like it's well acted. The setting's interesting. The scenarios are um, dreamlike and disturbing. Even the like really low key stuff, like just the guy showing up to your house. Like I thought all that was like reserved enough that it felt real, um, but also still dreamlike enough that it always felt a little bit fantastical you know like you never felt quite like you were sitting in reality and i'm like i think they did a good job with that right so i'm interested like the first act i don't it kind of has two uh whatever um so halfway through the movie when she gets pregnant right i'm like on at that point i'm like i'm kind of on board interested to see where this is going um and the end got so stupid that I lost all tether to reality, which I don't think is an unfair critique. Like the you you get what the theme the the extended yes, metaphor. Okay. Yes, I do get the extended metaphor. So I think that that could work in a story where you go, we have a story that you could tell from point A to point B that works, yes. and then you layer on top of that a metaphor that gives more meaning and richness to the story the issue is three quarters of the way through the movie they abandoned all possibility of this being tethered to reality and it just went fully into metaphor right like because the first half of the movie um having a bunch of random people show up at your house uninvited and having like a family drama kind of like play out in spite of you is like and i'm again i'm not talking about the larger metaphor i'll get to that in a minute like just within the context of the story the story starts her and her husband are kind of have a weird relationship. And then a guy shows up. The husband cares more about him than he does about her. And then this guy's whole family drama plays out. And she's there like, please just get out of my house. I want to go back to things being normal. Get and the then F eventually he leaves house. and they have a baby. <laughs> this is my house. Leave. And that part of it, I was like, I hated yeah. watching it. But this I was like, okay, we'll see really where it goes. Because it was supposed to make you feel yeah. uncomfortable. Like, you're you're in it from Jennifer Lawrence's experience, and her whole expression is just, like, clenched discomfort. Yeah, because if that happens They do a really good you, job of that. Like, I would, if people started just coming to my house, having this whole family drama, like, the one woman's just having sex in my bathroom, I was like, okay, I'm getting the knife and stab and dime. <laughs> it's like, let's go. Yeah, it's like, dude, get out of my <laughs> house, right? Like, and I thought, and then by the time you get to the end... Where there's a world war happening in their house, I'm that like, was... this is this has gotten so stupid. Like, and and okay, and again, like we're gonna talk about the metaphor on top. I am just talking about the story underneath. All sense of reality is gone. Like there is never. And been I thought that was part a... of the horror, though. Was the fact that I like I would not consider this... this a horror movie oh, at all. That's fine. That's whatever. <laughs> like it, it's disturbing, yes. right? And I will say, like. The piece de resistance, right? Like the big dramatic ending scene where she has a baby and then that baby is killed. At that point, it was like, it's not a baby. It is so far past any grounding in reality that I'm like, it's just all kooky nonsense. Like the motivation of the characters becomes so inhuman and unrecognizable that I'm not sitting here going like, Oh, this guy's a poet that's so wrapped up in it that two seconds after his son's killed, he's like, we will forgive them. And I, again, we'll talk about the metaphor on top. It's not. I will say it's not. Now, let me get to it here. Let me get here. Okay. I am not speaking in this metaphorical thing to have on top. I'm just talking about what happens within the narrative is 
by the because through most of the movie you can kind of like excuse his actions like oh this guy's cool i want to meet him like why are you trying to kick him out like oh look these people are sad they need a place to mourn they can come over to our house like um i don't remember his name in the story but um her husband seems rational basically like pretty normal i don't think he had until three quarters of the way through the movie I don't think huh? he had an actual name. It was just like the man or whatever. Yeah, whatever. God. Yes, God. Um, we can just call him yeah, God. He, he was just God, Cody. Um, yes. Rational for three quarters of the movie. And then it's just like, right turn, I'm well, nuts. I mean, have <laughs> you read the Bible? Yeah, we're going to get to that part of my, <laughs> the other layer of my disgust with this. So what happens three quarters of the way through the movie is any reality of this being something that I can like put myself in and experience emotionally is gone. Like, I found the beginning of it way more uncomfortable and disturbing than I did the second half, because the second half got so stupid I expected her to wake up from a dream. Like, it didn't feel sort of unrealistic, it felt like an impressionist painting by the end. Now, let's talk about the metaphor on top, right? So, story starts out, and it's like Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Cain and Abel kill each other, um, and then the baby is Jesus, right? So, it's about God and Mother mm-hmm. Earth that are, like, living in this house together. And God is basically abusive to Mother Earth until he finally lets her have a baby and then kills that baby for humanity. And it's just about God choosing humanity over and over and over again, never giving the Earth any attention, just always choosing his, like, bastard creations that are horrible and flawed and wicked for all eternity at the expense of someone that actually loves him and at the expense of any sense of prosperity or happiness just always choosing this broken debaucherous miserable humanity over so this any sense of good wrong how and then at the end uh earth tries to kill god and um fails and then it just all starts over again the cycle repeats and i go okay like i get it i understand being i being like um snide and cynical is in it's hip it's very postmodern to be like but what if god sucks man and i go Okay, so what's the point? Do you want me to just die? Should I just die? I don't get it. Like, what what do I gain from this? What do I gain? F- what? How is this edifying to me as a human to go, humanity sucks, and then it just keeps doing that forever? You can't fix it, and it'll never get better. Like, awesome. I don't actually think that's a powerful or beneficial message. I think it's lazy. I think what that is is a guy that got to about freshman year of intellectual development and went I am freaking never recommending you stuff another and then movie. wrote this I'm crap and puked it out and is like look at me i yeah clever like screw you i don't know like come on no no hope of redemption no, no hope of humanity being anything other than miserable god itself is hateful and vain like great okay i uh, i don't know it's not like there's good people in it or around it it's just like no this is just a story that humanity sucks like i mean there were good i people guess you can anyways you can read the bible and ignore all the parts that aren't that and just get those parts but you have to do a lot of cutting around a lot of stuff anyways. i thought it was an interesting movie. i don't even have to tell why i like the movie um i thought it was an interesting movie i thought the way that it was shot was cool i also like as someone who lives with anxiety it was a very anxiety driving movie start to finish and i think that's they did true a good job i agree with that part creating that feel of like you still don't think it's a horror movie i'll kind of agree with you on that but i think that they did a good job at creating that sense of tension from start to finish of the movie of making you feel just generally uncomfortable thinking of like i've been in situations where i've had someone in my 
um, apartment, um, dorm room, whatever, that just wouldn't leave and kept causing a mess. One of those times that that happened, it was you, um, where you put the plunger <laughs> on my bathroom wall and you refused to leave my bedroom and locked yourself in and kept messing with my stuff. So I get it. And I get why you don't get it because you do that stuff to people. I will say that part of the movie worked for me. <laughs> like the the first half, I'm like, it is uncomfortable to watch in a skillful way. I thought yes. they did a masterful job of making a miserable experience, and then it just didn't land on anything we, that I found. You got to see profound. Kristen Wiig shoot people in the head, and I thought that was like something you never see in a movie. That was honestly one of the more drama. Yeah, because it's like it this, this famed comedic actress that you like you don't like other than Wonder Woman don't really see in like a super serious role, like literally pulls out a Glock and just shoots like three people in the head. I think she pulls out two and yeah. walks down like a dual line. <laughs> yeah, she just, just pulls out a Glock and just starts shooting guy, dudes like with bags of heads in the head. It's like, oh my god, Kristen Wick, what? What happened to McGruber? <laughs> Well, and this is kind of where I mean at that point, I was like, I'm, I'm like waiting for, because, okay, so first half of the movie, you're, you're self-inserting, right? In a way that- Oh, yeah, I'm self-inserting. What up? (laughs) Sex joke. Well, right. But like, you can get yourself in that story really easily. It it feels pretty relatable eh? when it's like, (laughs) when it's like, oh, these people won't leave and oh, it's awkward. And that like, that anxiety tension of like, why can't they just get out of my house? When it- and, and it kind of was like, again, if you are not thinking too hard about the metaphor, she kind of plays like she has some kind of anxiety and like delusions yeah, she's sometimes because she's taking pills and she like has like headaches and stuff. And if you're not thinking about like, it's the earth dying, man. And like, and here I'm like making arguments against green stuff, but kind of like my point is if the message of like a green person is like, we should just all kill all humans. Like, what? okay, that's not I helpful. Mean, you're not helping the conversation. Go. I'll start. Doesn't matter. Let's go. The globalist. I think that's a. I think uh, this is like Alex Jones levels of stupidity. Billions are gonna die. Like, well, can we figure out a way for not that? Because I actually do think I matter more than a whale. (laughs) And a tree. Well, I I was gonna name the episode. It's a demon's feast, but Cody matters more than a whale is the new episode title. I do. I, I I actually do think I matter more. Kristen Wiig did a a serious Lifetime movie with Will Ferrell. What movie? Since. Hi, Hart, send me this movie, please. We, we're, that's going to be the next um, movie we watched as Darko. But yeah, at the point <laughs> that things were going crazy and like when, as she's moving through the house, I was like kind of into it and like, oh, this is in her head. She's having a delusion. She's having an episode like this is like her brain interpreting giving birth, I thought was going to be what it is. And that's kind of true, but because it totally abandons the real world narrative for just being fully metaphorical. You never see like a reality. You never see her back in her own self, like seeing what's actually happening in the house. You never get that. So you never know where that line is. It's just the movie eventually just abandons its own narrative to become an impressionist painting, which could be okay. But in this case did not work for me because it just made all of those images not horrifying because I didn't think they were happening in real life. And and, and I get that. I get how it didn't work for you. Like, but for me, it, the thing worked for me, especially if someone who has anxiety, if in that situation where some dude locks himself in your bedroom, puts a plunger on the wall and keeps flushing your toilet, that makes you very uncomfortable, angry. And I get it. And, but, but, but I don't know. I thought it was, 
I, but what I'm saying is a civil war yeah, didn't I, break I, out I in your apartment. I understand what you're saying, that it loses <laughs> the threat. And I, I get it. Those are things in the movie that worked for me. They don't have to work for everybody. I see your points. I'm going to birthday law just say you're wrong. I, 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 get, I get what you're saying about this movie. I'm never like going to tell you about a movie I like ever again. Except for you did like the ritual. So like... Like one out of every five. I think five. That in your head you think we disagree on most movies, and that's just patently I mean, we untrue disagree. for what's ever happened. We on disagree this on a lot of movies. I we disagreed we disagree on, on freaking this King one. of the Monsters. I remember that like very blatantly. I mean, kind of, but you don't think that? Movie oh no, was I don't a good think it was a good movie. movie. That was, was a fun, fun movie, movie to yes, watch. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yes. I mean, I agree with you on that. It was stupid, yeah. but yeah, I watched it too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like some, a lot of times I'll be like, hey, I really like this thing. You're just like, it's the worst thing I've ever watched. I've never watched it again. I hate everything about it. And it's like, okay, I get it. This one, I will say I am legitimately having that. Yeah, I know you But are. that is also because I have a certain disdain for easy cynicism as a fill-in for intellectual, like, rigor. Just going, humanity's awful and we can do nothing about it does not benefit humanity or solve problems. It's just self-aggrandizing. Because it's not humanity's awful. It's those humans over there that aren't me. The director isn't going, well, I'm terrible. This is a movie about how me personally am yeah, terrible. Yeah, you know? I get it. Um, Waldeb in chat says, I just saw Halloween 3 for the first time. And all I can say is, what the F? <laughs> <laughs> glad i saw it but also what but like really that that is like especially that was the, halloween 3 that's the one that doesn't fit the rest of the halloween movies right is it three? That, I don't yeah i think it's three honestly, the I, three because it was so halloween was originally written to be like an anthology like series like each one but then they just yeah yeah they were and, just gonna yeah halloween, halloween but then just they just movie. stuck with the first um theme of the shape um which was michael myers and kept going with that but Halloween 3 is the only one in the series of movies that doesn't do that. And it's so weird. <laughs> it's so very I don't weird. know that I've ever... I don't know. We might have to watch that for the show I... sometime. Because it, it's it's a weird... It is very weird. Yeah, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we might have to watch it because it's very weird. Also, I'm putting Donnie Darko back on the list. Why? We already did a Donnie no, we did Darko S. Darko. movie. That doesn't count as a Donnie Darko movie because it's not. It's just not. Yeah, I mean, I know it's not, but you just want me to say mean things. About- you don't like Donnie Darko. I, I don't either, love right? it. I think, think it was a good movie for me to watch when I was an angsty teen. I agree yeah. with that. I agree with that. 100%. Yeah, that, that like in my, in my weird emo phase when I was watching Fight Club and Donnie Darko it was a good movie. So was Fight Club when I was in my emo phase. <laughs> Still in my emo phase. <laughs> Eight more days to Halloween was a day That's ago. Part, part Two part days part ago. Three days. Wow, ago. you don't even know how many days ago. ago. Okay, we're watching. We're gonna watch Halloween three at some point. We might have to watch that together. It's it's not a phase. Yes, it's just a phase, as Incubus once said. It'll be over soon. Um. So Cody, you got anything else on this? And uh, so, do you want to just like next time we meet, come with like recommendation for the fall seat? Well, I guess fall going to winter season. Yeah, I mean for sure. I like I like. Doing I mean, recommendations. freaking Chainsaw Man's. Still ongoing, so I might have to hold off for now and make you... I mean, I can watch what's out and we can talk about it. That's that's okay bit. with me. Oh, you sent me a 90-page 90, 90 anime. I'm like, no, man, it's, it's fine. Okay, the one time I've told you not to give me something because of length is because it's not done yet. Yeah, Saga, yes. 
Yeah. Oh I'm yeah. Not I, starting I, I saga to catch until up. it's I'm done. I'm like way behind on that actually, because um, it came back. Um, but yeah, no, I, I got some. I, I think I got some good. I think I got some good recommendations. Most of them are music. So um, well, I don't think easy. you like the music I like. I like Pup. It's the only band you like. <laughs> I wasn't going to recommend Pup because he already listened to them. My point is you're like, you don't like the music I like. I'm like, Jordan, I like your favorite band. And I like your other favorite band, The Pillows. The one you talked about I putting did on. Put, I like both I of those bands. I did absolutely put them on to start the show. Well, I have to mute it, so I don't know what you put on. Anyway, um, but yeah, no, this has been the 150th show. I'm sorry for the people who came late and just got us talking about movies instead of doing our stories. Um, but I will be... Re- or got to listen to me do an Alex Jones <laughs> Right, but yeah, we did get the Alex Jones, which was very, very funny. But yeah, no, we, we are going to be releasing this on the... Um, like podcast feed so you'll probably hear this in about a week or so um if you and if you're listening to this a week or so later we did a live show next time come to the live show and yeah no we're gonna probably be back with stories next time we record right i think so okay cool let's do more short stories to just never finish our series look as much as i love what i've been writing i i really just want to finish reading it on air because I've been yeah, I've been writing I, and no, doing the story for now almost two years, and I just really want to finish the story. <laughs> it's like like if we if we don't finish by April, it will be a full two years since I started the story, and I'm like I can't. It's a long That's time. Like, it's a long time. It's a long time. But um yeah no I, I thank you everybody all of my friends and Cody's one friend for stopping in to say hi thank you for like celebrating this hundred hundred and fifty episodes Cody. 150 that's that's huge we have over 150 hours of us talking about dumb stuff on air one episode got deleted forever we're never going back to that yeah we're not going yeah to but that. um actually cody for 150 do you have anything to say about what you've enjoyed about doing this show for 150 episodes technically 189 because of bonus but still i really haven't enjoyed any part of it you know, beast, just, I, I beast, it's a, my birth, birthday. No, birth, birthday law. You have to be sincere. <laughs> oh, okay. You want to talk about that? All right. We're gonna we're gonna tell a story real quick to our live audience. So, uh, last time I saw Jordan in person, he was really good with my kids, and I texted him, <laughs> "Hey, I texted I texted you something really nice." Cody, like zero okay. irony. From my perspective, you never have ever once been that sincere to me. In the entire just, friendship, and you out of the blue were just like, "Hey, man, you're a really good friend. You're really good with kids. I like you being around because you're like extroverted and like you pull blue? people out of the shell." Wasn't and I'm just like, blue? "You never say this to me. What's wrong?" First time I've seen you in like, like two did years. Your, <laughs> one year. Did your wife tell you to send this? I yeah, I saw you the previous year. But anyways, it wasn't even that. It wasn't even that. It was that you messaged another friend and said Cody said something nice to me, and I'm uncomfortable. No, not even that. I said to your face like. What's happening? Did your wife tell you to say that? And then I texted, I think Diana's like, uh, what's yeah, wrong with yeah. Cody? <laughs> um, anyways, no, things I've enjoyed about this show for 150 episodes is um being able to finish writing projects yes, at all. Absolutely. And just going like, okay, this is a fun idea, and it's like not good enough to be a book sometimes. And like the short stories and the short worlds are good for that, where it's like this doesn't have to be something longer. It can be short. Um, and then also just being able to come up with good worlds pretty easily and quickly. Like for my latest D&D game, we basically just did world shop beforehand. And what came out of that was fantastic. But doing that was super easy because I've done it so many times now. Um, 
also just like making characters that are fun is always yeah, a joy always for me so and i feel like i get to do that more now which i enjoy and then it's also challenging to write longer stories because i'm not very good at that Ooh, so i thought you know, of a great a idea that we could do, do for like another little project is we come up with a world and characters for the other person to write a story in that's actually that's a fun really idea good. and i think you would Hate it. Yeah, because you're gonna you would... specifically make me write a nice, happy story, and I'm gonna be like, nope, no. I think it's because you're gonna write a world you care about. Oh, you're just and gonna, then you're gonna be up. mad yeah. at me for. Oh, absolutely. It. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've <laughs> never. You only did that twice to me. The one where you just turned my one world into your barbarian world for no reason. <laughs> it's like for no reason. Then there was another one where like you just like completely just like made the thing that wasn't even remotely like part of the story I set out for you. It's like, yeah, no, this is gonna be what I wanted to be like. Cool. And then I made really, <laughs> I made joy. really sad stories in your worlds. Um, the the one about actually, yeah, no, technically in both stories I wrote about children dying. So, anyways, <laughs> um, I I will say what I've really enjoyed is like, and now I'm gonna be sappy towards you is actually like getting to um to to write stories with you specifically. I enjoy. That, like, when I do write something that you give me, like, good critiques, you don't just, like, yes, and you also don't just, like, make fun of me. Like, sometimes you tease me, which is, that's our relationship. But, like, you you do a good job at, like, actually giving me good critiques and, like, giving me critiques that will help me be better at writing. But it's also every week, like, being able to not eat, like, before the show we sit and we'll, like, talk about life and stuff. And after the show we'll, like, follow up stuff. And it's been good to have you as a really close friend of my life and to have you encourage my creative side because I've been coming up with stories like this since I was, like, five years old and actually getting them on paper and out in a way where other people can hear them and experiences is something I've always wanted to do and being able to get the chance to do that on well not anymore but a weekly basis has been like something like really cool we yeah we, we have been really trying but yeah no I, I I appreciate your friendship I appreciate that like we even came up with this idea sorry you even came up with this idea in the first place um <laughs> Because, yeah, it started out like, hey, you want to do a podcast together? Yeah. What do you want to do? You want to just, like, build random worlds and storytells? Like, yeah. That sounds great, actually. And then <laughs> we've been doing this for, what, almost four years now. So. Well, and I do think it's easier to maintain a friendship post-college when we don't see each other just in the same place By constantly when we have, like, a project that we work <laughs> on together. Yeah. For, for almost four years now. So I think we started what? Two, did we start 2018 or 19? I think we started. I don't 18, remember. Right? I, I think it was 18. I can like look I back at my 19. files and see when they're saved. <laughs> but yeah, no. It's, it's just been, it's been a good time. And I, I appreciate doing. Yeah, it's 18. But uh, yeah, this has been. Wow. February of 18. <laughs> Jeez. We've been doing this for a while. Um, but yeah, no. I, I, I appreciate doing the show with you. I wouldn't have rather do this with anybody else. And thank you for making it to 150 episodes three and a half years later. <laughs> this is like, and we're still going. Yeah, like I know, like we've been releasing on a, such a rare schedule, but that's because you have kids and also get sick all the time because you have kids. And I travel a bunch. <laughs> Work, travel, kids. Work, travel, tough, kids. Yeah. Travel, no life. Travel, no life. Those are the two sides of the killing of world shop. 
But yeah, no, it's been good. Yep. I appreciate you. I also hate your guts. And <laughs> thank you for doing this live stream with me. We have to try to do more of these. <laughs> um, we can do one on my birthday. Then I can have birthday law. Oh, crap. But yes, you can have birthday law. But you have to do it on your channel so you can control birthday law. Because I'm not going to. I mean, I do. As I say, I'm not going to put birthday law up for you. You're going to have to do that yourself. <laughs> Look, man, I do our stream when I stream with Caitlin, yeah. so, you know. Oh, man, I, I can, can fly it. out to, to Indianapolis. Zobies. That'll be great. Yeah, we could do one. We could do one in person. Only, we, have only stream, we have only streamed in podcasts together once in person. It was really weird. It was really weird to, for you to be in my face doing your stuff. Yeah, like, <laughs> that, that was fun, but it was like, huh, this is going to be a weird edit because I've always done two tracks, and for the first time ever, we're doing one track because I'm sitting in front of you. Yeah, I, I really wanted to, like, put up a screen and, like, shine a light on your face so it looked like you were on a mic. <laughs> just, like, hold, hold this plexiglass for me the entire time. Okay. Yeah, I just need to do, like, this. Yeah, so yeah get two black bust. strips, put it up. Okay, now, now I can see it perfectly. Uh, now it's okay. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, Goody, what are your plugs? Check out the Wandering Gamer Network. Um, I don't know why. Yeah, I was gonna say why are you check out the Wandering? So check out the Wandering Gamer Network. It's like why, why are you doing this? What it is is I'm fidgety, and so what I have is lighters. You probably have ADHD, chopsticks. but you got mad at me last time I said that. It's because freaking. All right, one of our friends decided to message Mandy symptoms and be like, "Does Cody exhibit all Wasn't of these Diana behaviors?" That and she's like, that? "Yes." Of course it was Diana that did that. Because yes. I, I had talked to Diana about that. <laughs> Whoops. So, sorry, bud. That's, that's my bad. I should have talked to Diana about that. <laughs> did you just see what we the... <laughs> <laughs> I like I like to pretend I'm a little crap, you know. <laughs> I love Ben's reaction. It's like, what? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Okay. Anyways, I need silent things to fidget with, but uh, Wandering Gamer Network uh, podcast and streaming at um, Wandering Underscore Gamers. We're starting Fable next. Ooh, that'll be fun. A game that I've always wanted to play and have never played. And I'm still not going to get to play because it's Caitlin's turn to play a game. <laughs> so she gets to play Fable. Hey, Cody, you want to come on a stream with me and do Silent Hill? Yeah, Okay, sure. let's do it sometime because I've been wanting to play... With all of our free time. Okay, so... We're never going to do what I just said. <laughs> Anyways. I want to. Yeah, I want to, but we're never going to be able to do it. So you can check me out at this channel that you are watching right now, but something I guess zero zero at twitch.tv. And you can check out my other podcast, the side characters podcast, where we um, talk about diversity and nerd culture. And then also on this Twitch channel that you are watching and we're hearing about, you can check out my other show. We belong when we talk about anime. And also end up talking about anime and diversity quite a bit. We recently did an episode that I'm probably going to release on the World Shop stream where we um, did kind of a world building of our own horror animes. And that was a really fun time. So I'll probably post that pretty soon. And by pretty soon, I mean probably in December because I am very busy. <laughs> Anyways, um, thank you guys for watching and we will catch you at the next Demon Feast. Bye. Bye. <laughs>